You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Now it's time to talk about impeachment. The House Judiciary Committee is moving in that direction, and and what kind of lessons can be found in the Clinton impeachment, which was 20 years ago? For comment and analysis, we turn to Sean Wilentz. Of course, he's an award-winning historian who teaches at Princeton. His latest book is No Property in Man, Slavery and Anti-Slavery at the Nation's Founding. We talked about it here a little while ago. He also writes for the New York Times, the New Republic, Rolling Stone, and the New York Review, where he wrote recently about the Clinton impeachment. Sean, welcome back. Great to be here, John. Well, just to review history a little bit, the House charged Clinton with lying under oath. That was about having had sex with Monica Lewinsky and obstruction of justice. But in his trial in the Senate, where a two-thirds vote for conviction and removal is required, that means 67 votes, there were only 45 votes for conviction, 55 against, and Clinton ended up more popular after the impeachment trial than he was before. So some people are warning the Democrats not to do to Trump what the Republicans did to Clinton. But we need to look more closely at what exactly it was that the Republicans did to Clinton. It actually started a, a bit before Monica Lewinsky, didn't it? Well, a whole lot before. I mean, I think the people who, who, who compare the two are like generals who are taking all the wrong lessons from the last war. You know, I mean, it's yeah. two completely different situations. Yes, I mean, the investigations of, of Bill Clinton uh, began well before uh, 1998, indeed as early as not really getting underway in 1992, um, when the Republicans began to get a word out from Arkansas from some very, very nefarious characters that there might be a scandal in something called Whitewater, uh, which was this development in, in Arkansas that uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton had a passive investment in. But it didn't uh, emerge in the 1992 campaign but it very soon thereafter did. And that kicked off a whole string of, of, of incidents that eventually led to the impeachment in 1998. After the Whitewater land deal was investigated for years and turned up nothing wrong, then the Republicans switched over and focused on Vince 
Foster's Suicide. I'm sure most of our listeners don't remember the story of Vince Foster's suicide, but this was a huge issue for Republicans for quite a while. Well, it's actually still there because Trump brought it up in 2016, and if you listen to Ann Coulter and Sean Hanley, they still bring it up from time to time. But yes, I mean, back then, uh, Vince Foster was Bill Clinton's oldest friend from, from Arkansas, and he brought him into the administration, and he was working in the administration as a lawyer. And he got depressed. He, he had a depressive uh, you know, condition. He was clinically depressed and didn't get uh, the proper treatment. At any rate, he, he killed himself. And it was a terrible incident, in part because um, he had been made very, very uh, upset by reports in the Wall Street Journal, among other places, for supposedly trying to cover up some of the misdeeds around Whitewater. And um, he he was not really, uh, you know, the kind of guy who could deal with the rough and tumble of Washington politics. He got very upset, very depressed. He ended up killing himself in, in Fort Marcy Park in Washington. Well, very soon thereafter, the U and cry began coming up from the Republicans, basically that um, there was no suicide at all, that he had been murdered on orders of the Clintons. A pretty wacko charge, but one that um, ricocheted around what was even then the right wing. Um, sound chamber, echo chamber, and um, you know, before you knew it, there was um, um, the, the, the special counsel investigating Whitewater, who at that time was a man named Robert Fisk, um, in, um, investigating whether the Clintons had actually murdered Vince Foster. Um, Fisk came up with, said, no, that's not true. We found out that, in fact, poor Mr. Foster had indeed killed himself. But at that point, Fisk was removed by a, uh, a panel of judges, removed from the special counsel's position, and they installed instead one Kenneth Starr. And it was under Ken Starr that uh, the, the, the investigation was reopened, coming to the conclusion finally that, you know, Vince Foster had indeed killed himself. So after the Whitewater land deal produced nothing criminal, no misconduct for the Republicans, right, right, after Vince right. Foster's suicide produced nothing criminal, no misconduct about Bill Clinton. The next thing right. the Republicans focused on was Paula Jones sued Bill Clinton yeah. for sexual harassment. And this, too, looked like it was going nowhere until the Monica Lewinsky story broke. Tell us what Correct. happened I mean, then. Well, the Paula Jones story, I mean, she was a former um, employee, uh, Arkansas State employee, and she accused Clinton of making a very crude sexual advance. The case ended up being decided first by Judge uh, Susan Weber Wright as having no merit at all. The case was appealed, and finally, you know, Clinton actually paid her what she asked for. He just so beleaguered at that point. But yes, the Jones case was getting nowhere. When all of a sudden, Jones lawyers, people who had been working around the Jones case, um, got wind of Monica Lewinsky. Now, it's important to remember who these people were. Um, the Jones case was not just a, a woman from Arkansas who was angry at Bill Clinton and suing him for something that she claimed he had done. It became a, a kind of lightning rod for a whole crew of right-wing conspirators. And they were the ones who got word about Monica Lewinsky. And um, on, on their get-go, primarily, and from Ken Starr, the attorney general approved that the um, that special counsel should, should look into the Lewinsky matter as well. Clinton, at that point, was due to give a deposition in the Jones matter. And basically, he was, he was lured into a, a perjury trap. Um, but he was caught on something that had nothing to do with, really to do with the Jones case whatsoever. It shouldn't have been asked, why they're asking about Monica Lewinsky was anybody's guess. And it certainly had nothing to do with high crimes and misdemeanors against the Constitution of the United States. 
Recently, we've seen a new perspective on the Clinton impeachment proceedings, which has arisen because of the Me Too movement. Kirsten Gillibrand, Democratic senator from New York, appointed originally to fill Hillary's seat when Hillary became Secretary of State, and of course now Kirsten Gillibrand, candidate for the Democratic nomination. She argues that Bill Clinton should have resigned over Monica Lewinsky. What do you make of Kirsten Gillibrand? It, it tells me that Senator Gillibrand really has forgotten what was going on in 1998, if she ever really knew what was going on in 1998. Um, the Lewinsky case was not one of sexual harassment. That's number one. Monica Lewinsky was a cons- consenting adult by all means. You can say that the president acted poorly, acted stupidly, but it's not as if he was forcing uh, Monica Lewinsky to have any kind of sexual relations with him. I mean, it was a terrible, stupid, ridiculous thing for, the, for, for Clinton to have done. But to put it on the scale with what's going on um, today around the Me Too movement, I think it's an insult to the Me Too movement. And uh, Senator Gillibrand ought to realize that. Um, but what she really misses, misunderstands is the whole context of the Lewinsky case, that this really came up only because of the, the investigation into Bill Clinton going all the way back to Whitewater. It was irrelevant to their investigations, yet they brought it up. They basically went into the sex life of the president in order to try and remove him from office, and they came bloody close to doing so. And then there's a second related argument that's been made by a member of the New York Times editorial board, Michelle Cottle. She wrote in the New York Times that Bill Clinton's response to another woman named Juanita Broderick, who said she had been raped by Bill Clinton, Michelle Cottle wrote that Bill Clinton's response was to try to trash the reputation of Juanita Broderick. And she added that Hillary's, quote, fundamental complicity is beyond reasonable doubt, close quote. Now, this has sort of become a theme that Hillary is complicit in Bill's misdeeds. What do you think about that argument? I'd like to see some evidence. There's no evidence whatsoever. I mean, once again, writers across the political spectrum imagine things about the Clinton based on no evidence whatsoever. The Juanita Broderick story was around at the time as was the charge, charges, uh, later charges by a woman named Kathleen Willey about the president making a, um, uh, an unwelcome advance to her in the Oval Office, actually. The Starr office, the Office of Independent Counsel under Kenneth Starr, relentlessly investigated those charges of both Juanita Broderick and Kathleen Willey, and they came away saying that they were at best inconclusive, and in the Willey case that they were really out, out to lunch. Yet they keep coming up. It's yet another, you know, sort of right-wing scam that a lot of people, perfectly honest people, have caught on to as if it was is absolutely true. If the Star Office was unable to find compelling evidence that Bill Clinton had actually done any of the things he was accused of doing in these cases, believe me, they would have presented it. Well, Bill Clinton's independent counsel and persecutor, Kenneth Starr, is now saying that the Clinton impeachment was a mistake. I mean, it was his life work, so, so that is big. What do, what do you make of that? Judge Starr is always saying this in the context of saying that um, there's no reason to, to, to go after um, President Trump. There's no reason to believe that, that, that President Trump has committed, committed any impeachable offenses, which is pretty strange when you think about it, because here is President Trump, who, in connection with the, the Russia in, inquiry, this is an inquiry into a hostile foreign power compromising American democracy. You know, this is not about a phony land deal or about, you know, interns in the White House. No, this is about a co- compromising American democracy in which 
his former campaign manager, his former uh, personal attorney, um, his advisor, Roger Stone, um, have all been indicted. I would say that Judge Starr's uh, standards have shifted dramatically over the last 20 years, at the very least, if he believes all of that. Judge Starr will say that there was not a national consensus around impeachment. That's the reason. We, the people, were not in favor of the impeachment. Therefore, we should not have pursued it. He did not say that at the time, <laughs> to say the least. And he did, um, in, in his memoir, he defends precisely what he's now saying, you know, shouldn't have been pursued. It's all a mass of great contradictions. But the bottom line of it all is that he is doing this uh, basically to, to, to back up Donald Trump, for which the president has thanked him in, in at least one tweet. So what are the lessons of the Clinton impeachment for the House Judiciary Committee today? The main lesson is that you need credible proof of a high crime and misdemeanor as outlined in the Constitution of the United States before you pursue impeachment. If they fail to do that, as I believe the House um, failed to do in 1998, then they are pursuing an illegitimate um, impeachment proceeding, and, and that's the difference between the two. Sean Malentz, he wrote about the Clinton impeachment for the New York Review. Thank you, Sean. It's always great to have you on the show. Thank you, John, as ever. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.